Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bulls coverage show. I'm your host Keith Cork, and man, I am joined by Trey Hill. Uh, we just witnessed a, a really awesome game here. Well, first of all, Trey, let me not bury the lead here. I am excited because uh, Bulls basketball is back. I don't know if you're excited about that, but first game in uh, I think a week since we played. Is that correct? Yeah, something like that. It's it's been too long. I don't know how any Bulls fan could watch that game and not be excited to have the Bulls background. I know I know COVID's put a damper on a lot of the rest of the league as a whole, but at least in the Bulls world, we got a little bit of joy back on the court tonight, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I'm, and, and anyone that's out there suffering with this whole COVID thing, I mean, you know, it's um, we're getting another bo- another jump here in cases, and it's really awful, and I hope that no one is out there suffering, but you do have to take the little things that give you a little bit of happiness, uh, get you out of that little depression there. So, yeah, ha- having a little bit of Bulls basketball in my life was uh, was huge for me. I loved it. I, I was looking forward to this night. I had it circled on my calendar, and the Bulls did not disappoint. The Bulls beat the Lakers, sweep the season series, 115 to 110, Bulls over the Lakers. Darmar DeRozan, 38 points. Uh, Vucevic, 19 points, 13 rebounds. Alex Caruso against his old team, 17 points and nine rebounds also. Um, so, Trey, just just give me your initial thoughts, man. What did you see out there? What did you like about this Bulls win? My initial thoughts were it was the Lakers consistently attacked the rim. Uh, especially from that four spot. So the Bulls are have been classified as buyers. It's pretty clear uh, everyone knows what they're looking to buy, and the Lakers just made that very obvious to anyone paying attention. Um, DeRozan deserved the MVP chance he got at the end of the night. Vucevic, I thought this was one of his strongest games he's had all season uh, overall. Uh just uh, an overall great win for the Bulls, uh, just in terms of, you know, the Lakers, they didn't have Anthony Davis, but the Bulls were without Zach. So I I feel like that's at least a fair exchange, if nothing else. So uh, Tony Bradley struggled. That was kind of my big disappointment at, if I had to pick one out. But, no, just an overall great team win for uh, a Bulls team that I thought might come out and be a little rusty. Like you said, they haven't played in a long time, and NBA action is different than practice. And I know they. I think they only got one or two practices in, even. So it it was a nice win uh, against a quality team. Yeah, definitely. It, it was definitely a quality win. I like that word there, quality. Um, and yeah, you brought up Vucevic. I, I, you know, since I bashed him so, uh, so unapologetically the last two episodes, really, uh, I'll go ahead and say, you know, I'll give Vuce's flowers. Man, he played tremendous. He had a lot of really great plays in this game. Uh, and his confidence just looked like a whole night and day, just total difference, you know. 
um, taking those little bunny you know jumpers in the middle of the lane with confidence, rolling with confidence, taking the jumpers from the perimeter and outside with confidence, uh, and nailing them. I, um, you know, he, again, he had 19 points. Um, I didn't see what he ended with uh, as far as here we go. He shot. Oh, I only have the fourth quarter up. He shot eight, one for three in the fourth 17. quarter. Eight of, Eight 17, of 17, guys. Three, three of six from three. Okay, so, so you know he, he finished with 19 points on 17 shots, but he he was his his stamp when he was in the game. He was a factor, and he yeah. was in a positive way. Yeah, I mean he was just the way he was working the boards here. I had a couple things that were you know marked with him that I just really liked, um, and I, I was I have more notes from the second half than the first half because the first half I had a little toddler running around, so I apologize. But uh, but yeah, he just he did a lot of things right. About eight minutes left in the third quarter, he had a sequence where he just he rolled to the basket, drew a defender, and then he hit Javante Green who was working the baseline pretty much all game. He hit Javante Green for a wide open easy shot. Uh, Javante missed it of course, but he didn't grab the board uh, off the miss for a putback because the guy you know. Obviously, the defensive pressure went towards Javante Green. So uh, he had sequences like that all game where he was just making the smart and the right basketball play. Uh, Just very active in the paint. He had 11 rebounds and and four offensive with about 430 left uh, in that third quarter. Also, he ended with, um, uh, what is it, 13 rebounds. So he got a few more after that. But he had four offensive rebounds, which I thought all were huge every single time. Uh, The Bulls actually, as as a core, just worked that offensive glass relentlessly. They had 16 offensive boards to Lakers, nine offensive boards. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, point out here two guys on the offensive boards trade that um, I saw out there were uh, Javante Green. Again, he had five offensive boards in this one. Five of his uh, six boards were offensive boards. And Lonzo Ball, uh, and the reason I'm pointing at Lonzo Ball, he only had one offensive board, but it turned out to be the biggest offensive board because it was that board right at the end there with about, uh, what was it, 15, 20 seconds left. And he tapped it out off of a DeMar DeRozan, kind of a heat check miss there, uh, tapped it out to somebody else, can't remember who it was. And then we got the you know, ball back and they had to follow us, uh, which is kind of strange. I didn't think, you know, I was watching, I didn't think they had to follow us because we had a, a 14 second shot clock, obviously. That's a, the rule now, it's, it resets to 14. And there were like maybe 17 or 18 seconds on the game, of the game left. So I thought they could have just played defense there. Uh, but Fizdell told them to follow. What did you think about that? I was also kind of surprised the the broadcast even said they had to foul and I looked and I kind of wondered what, and I, I think there was only a four second uh, difference so maybe the, were the Lakers out of timeouts maybe um that's a good question that, I don't that's the believe. only thing I could think of was you know if yeah. they didn't have any timeouts you wouldn't necessarily want you know the Bulls getting a shot up at four seconds so if you get the rebound yeah. you've got two seconds but Go no timeouts four. what are you gonna yeah. do yeah, uh, that could have been very well been the, the case. They might have been out of timeouts at that point. I didn't uh, check that, so that's a good point. Uh, if that is the case, then yeah, that is a smart move because you don't want to go the whole floor uh, in four seconds. It's just not you're not going to get a shot off of that. So, um, but yeah, you know the offensive boards. Here, here's a guy that I'd like to bring up. Also, Trey is um, Alfonso McKinney. I thought he really brought just some great energy. Uh, continues to bring great bring great energy off the bench. Um, you know, offensive board, you got an offensive board. Again, this is just offensive boards for the, for the Bulls, but he got one with about 3.30 left in the game, uh, which is also huge. Uh, his 10-day contract expires tomorrow. Uh, you know, what do you think What do you think the Bulls do here? I don't think um, – can they even offer him another 10-day? I'm not – that's probably – that might be something you're, you're more uh, knowledgeable than me about. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure on that one either. I, I assume if the Bulls can offer him something, they're going to, especially, you know, just waiting for the rest of the guys to come back. I'm hopeful that is this his is this his first uh, yeah, two way contract? Yeah. I think I think you can do two of them. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So hopefully they can offer him another one, you know, kind of get through this stretch. But you, you are, you're so correct about the offensive rebounds being huge. Getting 16 of those compared to only nine for the Lakers, that really helped offset the fact that the Lakers shot 8% better when it comes to field goal percentage. The Lakers shot 51%. The Bulls were only at 43%. But getting those 16 offensive rebounds, it was just, it was the difference in the game. That, yeah, and of it, course, you know, DeMar DeRozan being fantastic, going 16 of yeah. 17 from the, from the stripe. <laughs> that helps a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Lakers, you know, they played a little bit small, too. They were playing Wayne Ellington, basically. Uh, well, I guess you could say LeBron may, might be there for. He's he's definitely a better forward than what we had. We had um, uh, basically Javante Green playing our four. I think I would take LeBron if I was to uh, go head-to-head there uh, at the power forward position. So I don't feel like we had a significant advantage in height or anything like that. Uh, and even Derek Jones Jr., who I thought was going to you know, play a big role here in getting offensive boards, he went out with a uh, injury after only about five and a half minutes of play. So, so I don't feel I feel like this was all just just um, effort. I mean, it really wasn't you know, again, not not something where we had like a physical advantage or an athletic advantage. Uh, it was just straight. You know, the Bulls were just reading the ball better and getting to the ball faster than the Lakers. Um, I mean, did you see the same thing or? Uh, yeah, and speaking of effort, uh, Kobe White came back. It was his first game in December, mm-hmm. and I had a note in the first quarter that he he was really making an effort to get over screens. And I don't know if you know if you saw that one play where he kind of got laid out on a screen. I think it was by LeBron, and that was because he was trying so hard just to get over it. And he just you know he sometimes you get hit on him. But I thought I think Kobe looked a lot more like. Lonzo and like Caruso and like Zach has that aggressive defense, you know, chasing after your guys. I think that's going to have a really positive effect for him. And I thought he looked really good out there and was finding ways to contribute on the floor when his shot wasn't falling. He was only two of seven, oh of four from three, but he was still only a minus four while he was out there. He had two assists and a steal. And he was just he was challenging shots. He he was fighting to get over the screens. He was making making the right reads most of the time. It was I just thought it was a really good game for him after having been away for you know another twenty day stretch. Yeah, yeah. They kept bringing it up on the broadcast. Twenty days he hasn't played a game, and uh, that's got to be tough, man. Especially when you have basically been out all season too. I mean, he's played he played obviously a series of games. Uh, before that 20-day stretch, but it wasn't many, so it just feels like he's just being jerked around and, and can't really find his rhythm just yet. Uh, I'm not ready to go up on Kobe. It's not, you know, I, I know I've talked to about him and, and how his trade value is low right now, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm down on Kobe or I don't like Kobe. I think Kobe can really fit uh, into this group as, as something that's really important and in games like this, especially where, uh, you know, we're going to need scoring because we don't have Zach Levine. Obviously, he didn't step up in that way. Uh, we didn't need him to, but he did step up in other ways, like you said. And if that's the case, if he can really get to the point where he's learning from Caruso and learning how to read screens better and, and, and fighting through screens, and he's making that effort to do that. And I, I feel like he's the kind of guy that would, right? He's the kind of guy that 
um, has an attitude of, of constantly try, wanting to improve and do better for his teammates. He just seems like a selfless guy. I know he's involved in a lot of causes through his uh, sister. I believe she has like a clothing line or something like that. So um, just kind of his mentality and, and, and his demeanor uh, makes me feel like if that's something that he wants to tackle, he'll, he'll be successful in doing it. And if he can get there, um, that's even better. So I know you're, you're probably a bigger Kobe fan than I am. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think you described it perfectly there at the end. Uh, and when you when you hear these draft experts talk a lot, you'll hear them say, you know, 5% of the guys, they're going to succeed no matter where they go. You know, LeBron's going to be LeBron no matter what team drafts him. Kevin Durant's going to succeed. And then you, know, you have some guys that are going to be busts no matter where they go. You know, you're Hashim Thabit's, those types of gu- type of guys. But Kobe, I think he is the perfect example of his floor and ceiling are so different depending on whether or not he finds a team that can maximize his potential. And I think the Bulls having these guards that he can learn from and that they just do all the right things and they they do they they do a great job of communicating. So it's something that he can learn if he's willing to put in the work. I I think he's if they don't trade him at this deadline, I think they're going to look to probably move him in the offseason because I think his value is just going to continue to rise after learning from these guys. Yeah, I sure hope so, man. I, I definitely think so. And and the, one of the moments that got me out of the seat tonight, obviously, was Kobe's dunk with about nine and a half minutes left in the game uh, where he just got out and, you know, LeBron thought he was going to uh, – block the crap out of him and have one of those, you know, famous uh, um, come from behind, block him as he's trying to make a layup blocks. And suddenly Kobe's out there just dunking the ball. He had the presence of mind to know, you know, LeBron's on my hip. I need to dunk this or it's going to get sent to to the half court probably. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That was awesome, and <laughs> and not, o- not only that, but you're right. He had the presence of mind to know that this is going to swing the other way if I don't dunk this home. And that was to tie the game at 92. So that was a big momentum swing. If if he goes up for that shot and it gets blocked and the Bulls, you know, get the, you know, get the ball back but still miss and they don't tie the game there, the crowd, I don't know if it dies down a little bit and then the Lakers, you know, get to relax a little it was a nice momentum swing, and it not only was it the momentum, but the the visual, the cameras, the camera work is just so great in the NBA these days. I love that overhead shot where you see LeBron getting there just a half second too late, and he just flushes it home. It was just uh, such a good night to be a Bulls fan. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. And I was kind of curious, you know, one of the questions I had coming into this game before we started watching was, um, you know, who's going to step into that three-point shooter role? with Zach Levine out, who's going to really stretch the floor and help us out. I think, you know, Lonzo Ball put up nine threes. Um, I don't think that's terribly out of line with what he does normally. Kobe did take four threes while he was out there. So, um, you know, he's pretty active on that end. Uh, but I'm looking at Alex Caruso, you know, he took five threes. He doesn't typically, he should, typically shoots three or four. So he, he he took another, you know, three or two tonight. Uh, and I think he was really filling that role of, uh, you know, late in the clock. You need somebody to take a, a shot. He wasn't afraid to take it. He was three for five. Uh, and, and it was the Caruso in the third quarter, baby. He had 11 points uh, of his uh, 17 for the game in that third quarter, carried us through, you know, basically kind of a, a lull in our offense. You know, DeMar wasn't exactly popping off at that juncture. So uh, it was a Caruso out there, man. And, you know, he popped off against his old team, uh, grabbed nine boards, like I said, in the, in the opener there, um, only had two assists. But, uh, you know, great to have him back, man. I just love I love watching this guy play, He, he you know. You never know what you're going to get in a game because he he just does whatever needs to be done, uh, which is just crazy to me. Any thoughts on oh, Caruso? 
Oh yeah, I I absolutely loved watching him play. You were you're 100 right about him being aggressive, looking for his shot. Not only was he looking for the three, he had 11 shots overall. Uh, I'm looking at his game logs. The last time he had that many shots was over a month ago, November 14th against the Clippers. So he must have something against the LA teams. He must like to go <laughs> off against them. But he was really he was really focused on his shot. He only had two assists, which is a little low for him. Mm-hmm. But I think I think he wanted to take it to his former team a little bit. And with the way the Lakers were playing, they were doubling to Rosen, um, and then they'd have to you know come help on Vooch when he would get the ball. And they were making Caruso have to have to score, and he made him pay. A lot of those shots for Caruso came off of the um, the Euro step in the lane and then trying to make a layup. And, you know, he was trying to draw the foul also. So uh, I know he did that at least three or four times and he, he hit like half of them. So, um, yeah, that I think one he was, where, he fe- where he fell down yeah. was just beautiful. Yeah. So I think I think he was uh, definitely, like you said, motivated against his former team. He wanted to go out there and score and, and maybe show them that, you know, they should miss him a little bit. So uh, I liked it, man. I love I love some Caruso. But, yeah, let's talk about DeMar DeRozan. Uh, obviously, you know. This is the big story of the night. 38 points. This is his eighth 30-point game uh, of the season. He had 19 points in that fourth quarter. King of the fourth, man. Just uh, that that nickname, he continues to live up to it. Uh, with or without Zach Levine, one of the questions I had going into this was, you know, is Zach's absence going to have a negative effect on DeMar DeRozan? Because DeMar is really, he's having a career year. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after we recap this game. But he's having a career year. And so my question was, you know, basically, is this because Zach's out there, you know, drawing people away from him and giving him easy baskets? But Zach, no Zach, it didn't seem to matter, Trey, because he was out there just doing his thing from the mid-range. I think teams just really struggle uh, to guard specifically what he does on the court, which is, you know, taking those, um, I mean, honestly, fade away 18-footers, which, uh, you know, many people will say is are, are bad shots. But if you make them with regularity like DeMar DeRozan does, it's not a bad shot, right? Not at all, and I don't think Zach necessarily helps DeMar because the Bulls have so much other spacing at every other position. It's not as if because Zach's out, we have to have someone out there who can't make a three. We're confident when Ball gets to shoot the three, you know, when Caruso gets a wide-open shot, when Vucevic is open. So whenever they, they run those hard doubles at DeMar, which they're having to do whenever he gets, you know, isolated at that elbow and, like, that spot, just like you said— if Zach was there, it would be even better because Zach getting downhill on a four-on-three situation, that's a basket almost every time. But DeMar does such a great job of navigating the other players. Uh, there was one play specifically late in the game. I remember uh, the announcers commented on it also. You can hear, you can see him like pointing to Vooch, telling him where to go to bring to pull his man that way so that way he could isolate on the opposite elbow. Uh, he's just, it's a masterclass in footwork. It's a masterclass in the mid-range game. And the the league loves the three-point shot. And they've loved the three-point shot now for three or four, you know, for three or four years, it's been the heavy, heavy focus for every team. Defenses are going to adjust. They're going to make up for that. And I feel like the defenses are focusing more on the three, defending the three-point shot and where that's going to, you know, lack elsewhere is probably in the mid-range because that's the shot that teams want to give up. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting open looks and they're quality shots from guys like DeMar DeRozan and Zach, 
why not shoot them over and over? Yeah, another guy I'd add in there, you know, um, you watch Chris Paul play. He hits that shot all the time. He comes around the screen and just kind of pops um, from, you know, basically the top of the key or, or you know, right right around that free throw line just every single time. Uh, if they're going to give him that Kevin shot Durant all day. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's a specific skill set that I think, you know, is really um, a plus right now in this day and age in, in the NBA because of the reasons that you said, um, just the way the teams defend. Uh, it's what's open. It's what you, they want to be open. But if you're hitting it, then, um, you know, honestly, these teams should adjust and not leave it open. But they're, if they're going to, then uh, take advantage. But, yeah, I thought he came out, you know, DeRozan, and he. I thought maybe he might be rusty, you know, not playing for so long, all that kind of good stuff. Just like the Bulls, though, he had no rust. He just looked easy, looked fluid. Uh, just looked like he was having fun out there, you know, about five minutes into the first quarter. I just saw him, you know, smiling and, and having a good time. You know, he had like six points at that point. Uh, hadn't really started really going off yet. But uh, one thing I did like about the beginning of the game for him, um, because he wasn't really he he set the tone for the game with the referees because uh, you did mention he went to the line 17 times, which is just incredible. Hit 16 of them, which is even more incredible. Uh, can't say enough good things about that. But he was doing that from the very outset because he was really forcing the issue. He drove about four straight times in that first and second quarter, looking specifically looking to draw contact and getting fouls and then, uh, you know, mildly complaining to the refs and, and stating his case uh, until they basically had to call it. He forced their hand. He, you know, at some point, there's always going to be contact when the guy drives to the basket. At some point, they had to either call it or they had to basically tee him up, right? So I really like the fact that he set the tone with that early on. Yeah, he does an excellent job of that. And he's been in the league long enough that he he does a great job of working the referees in a subtle way, um, you know, not showing them up because no one likes to get shown up, especially when, you know, you're on TV. Um, the Lakers games are always, you know, big, high profile games. And he did a great job of influencing his way to the line a few times. Uh, just... He he's he's been so good. Like I we were both high on his signing and he's just he's been even better than the the highest expectations anyone could have had for him. I'm just I'm so glad that he's getting to thrive and show the uh, just the leaps he's made since leaving Toronto for San Antonio. Like he's so much better of a player now than he was when he was a Raptor. And I I don't think people realized it. I know I didn't appreciate it enough until he, he got to the Bulls. And I, it's just nice to see him shine, to get those MVP chants. I think he's a legitimate guy who should be talked about, you know, on the back end of that ballot. I He's been that good. Yeah, I think, you know, we were looking at a little bit at the MVP ladder before, and we're going to talk about that in a minute here. I do have a few more things I want to say about this game, though, here. Um, there were a couple things I didn't like, Trey. Um, one of them was uh, – our end of the quarter, basically it's four out and DeMar DeRozan has the ball and we were looking for DeMar DeRozan to get a shot up, which is basically going to be our best chance of getting a good shot, you know, in that situation. I don't disagree with it, but at the end of the second and at the end of the third, they, they hard double, they sent a double. DeMar DeRozan wasn't, wasn't trusting his guys or wasn't seeing them one or the other. Um, so, you know, he's, he's getting to his, he's getting to a spot, but there's two guys there. And then basically all the other, guys around him are also, you know, just basically sagging off of their guys, which are standing around the three point line. Nobody's cutting. So that happened at the end of the second and at the end of the third, and that took away two of our possessions from us. So I think that, um, if anything, somebody needs to, to basically cut to the middle of the lane there where it's wide open. What do you think? 
Well, I, I had written down, why not start these three seconds earlier? I know, I know the idea is if DeMar, you know, take, you know, drives, takes two dribbles and takes the shot, there might be two seconds left on the shot clock for the Lakers. But I'm willing to, I'm willing to think that the Bulls can play good enough defense to give him those two extra seconds to create off that hard double. Because that's what the Lakers were doing. They were just waiting until they knew if they if they could get that hard double quick enough, it was just going to it was going to take up too much time. Yeah. And they timed it out perfectly. And Chicago, the first time it was annoying. This, like you said, it happened twice. The second time it was like, man, you didn't adjust. You, you know, fool me once, shame on you know. You know the old saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think starting it earlier because yeah, they were they were until about four or five seconds left, um, basically four seconds left, and then they were sending it. And uh, like you said, there's just not enough time for uh, I guess guys to react. I, I felt like though you know somebody whoever was getting the double could have you know flashed to the middle and at least gotten up a shot. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have been an ideal shot for us, but at least it's something you know better than a turnover or or just you know ending the quarter without a shot. So uh, that kind of ticked me off a little bit. I did also see Javante Green. Uh, you know, I love Jamonte Green. Uh, what did he finish here shooting? He finished uh, shooting three for nine. He just he struggles to finish. He plays the, the he plays the uh, baseline very well, but he's been struggling to finish on that baseline with regularity. He had a couple of big missed dunks tonight. Uh, and you know, like I said, I like the guy. I, I think you know he gets he does good things on the floor, and he I already shouted him out for getting good you know big offensive rebounds, but. Uh, it just feels like he has an inability, inability to finish. I don't know what his uh, numbers are for his career, like at the rim, but did you see the same thing out there? Yeah, he definitely see his height shows. He's only six foot four. He also hasn't played, or he played uh, December second, so he he missed the last four games. I think he he was really excited to be out there, and he was a little extra amped up. It seemed like. But you're right about him. It doesn't seem like consistently he's able to finish around the rim. And, I mean, I, if he could, he wouldn't have been a guy that we you know, we could get on a minimum deal. So I would love to see that develop, but I don't know that that's something that we can ever depend on from him. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the Bulls are going to be active around the trade deadline. I know I just talked to um, – Stephen Bagel on Bird writes the podcast about some potential trade targets. He had some pretty good ones on there. If you guys haven't listened to it, go check it out. Part of the Sports Ethos Network. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I another thing that I, you know, obviously you you mentioned it um, a little bit ago, but Tony Bradley, Tyler Cook actually checked in with about nine minutes left uh, in the game, and he was getting those Tony Bradley minutes. So do you think has Billy Donovan just soured on Tony Bradley? Is he going to be out of the rotation soon? What do you think is going on there? No, I think it was just a matchup thing. They were playing Carmelo Anthony at the five uh, for good chunks of that game, and that's just not something that Tony Bradley's equipped to do uh, very well at all. They had a stretch. uh, When the third quarter started, Vooch played until I think there was three minutes and 20 seconds left in the third quarter, so almost the entire third quarter, and he – when the Lakers went small like that, Bradley just was getting abused. Uh, he's, he doesn't have the defensive awareness that Vucevic has. And so it was just, I think it was more uh, a matchup oriented thing. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I don't think, you know, I don't think that Tony Bradley's out of the rotation uh, at all. But uh, it is it has been a little bit of a rough 
uh, season for him. I don't feel like he's quite hit his stride yet. Uh, hopefully that changes. Uh, but again, like I said, bulls are buyers around the deadline. So we'll see if maybe they add also a big is uh, as well as a, a stretch four or a four three hybrid guy. Uh, I think it's a possibility that they do, they do that. But uh, let's be real though, Trey. That play where uh, uh, Fisdale reviewed it and Tyler Cook just basically trucked Isaiah Thomas. That was a charge, man. I don't know how they didn't how they reviewed that and said that wasn't a charge. I did. What do you think? <laughs> I watched the replay once, and I said to myself. Well, that was obvious, and it, I thought it was so obvious. I, like, I still had the, I still had the game on. You know, I could hear the audio. I started playing on my phone because I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna listen for whenever the horn goes off, and I'm playing on my phone. And they just reviewed, kept reviewing it, and then you hear the surprise on the announcers. Even it was, the Bulls got a few calls tonight. The Lakers yeah. got a couple, but it was, you know, yeah, it wasn't what made or break the game for either team. No, it wasn't. I just um, I felt like that was a really missed call. So I was I was really confused there, but uh, it's all good. Uh, Tyler Cook got some minutes, uh, played played okay. I guess he didn't really do anything to really stand out, but uh, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, another key moment here. I'm just going to go to the other other side of the ball. Actually, I had one thing here uh, for, from the Lakers side, which I'd be kind of frustrated with if I was a Lakers fan. King James, man, um, had the ball in the post against. How tall is he? Alex Crusoe. What is he? Six four, six five, six six, somewhere in there. Uh, LeBron James, Alex Crusoe. He's about two minutes, two feet from the basket with with one fifty left in the game, and he passes the ball out. What, what's going on there? You, you know, this. You would think that he'd want to go up and and challenge Crusoe and and try to at least get to the line, right? Yeah, they they had been just completely punishing the Bulls with that same play. They were getting LeBron in the post against the smaller yeah. guy, and then he was just carving the defense up. Mm-hmm. And I think LeBron, when he started posting up, I think he had predetermined, I'm going to make this pass. This is what I'm going to do. And it it, it really gave me been and I it gave me Ben Simmons vibes where everyone wanted Ben Simmons to dunk that ball in the playoffs, but in his head, Ben Simmons is a playmaker first, and that's all he does. And he had predetermined, if I'm going to get this ball and I'm going to kick it out. And I think LeBron went into that play, I'm going to post Caruso up and I'm going to kick it to the corner because I'm going to draw the help. And I'm just going to post so deep until I force the help. Because like you said, he was like, what, two feet from the basket? Oh, he was right there. Yeah, he could have right. just and went I, up and flipped it in. <laughs> I think the Bulls, that possession just decided, you know, we're going to play one-on-one. And I think LeBron didn't expect that. I think he expected, okay, they're going to bring help. And he was just determined to post up until the help came. And it did eventually come. But Mm -hmm. because he was posted so deep, it was so congested, the Bulls were able to get a hand on the ball, and it was a turnover. Yeah, that was a turnover. He did the very next play against Lonzo Ball. And it ended up being a basket. I think it was Carmelo Anthony hit a basket off of it. So uh, that was twice in a row that he basically had a, a guard, uh, you know, on him within three or four uh, feet from the basket, and then you know got within two feet with Caruso, and then just passed it out. Uh, worked one time, didn't work the first time, but it was just kind of a. It, it made me go, huh? Like you know, it, it, obviously when you're a, an armchair QB, basically it's easy to have those moments, uh, and when you're in the game, it's a little bit different. But I felt like. Uh, you have to have some kind of presence of mind to know you're that close to the basket with with whoever's on you. You know, Caruso's on me, uh, and I'd be licking my chops if that was me. So it, just stuff like that sometimes that LeBron does, and it's just like, uh, you know, what's going on here? You know, take over the game. You're the, you're the star here. So 
uh, yeah, that, that's that's what I read was because you're right. It was like with when you have the overview, the all twenty two view to use an NFL term. It's yeah. like why are you not shooting the ball? Why are you not shooting the ball? But I, I really think he was. I'm going to post. I'm going to draw the double, and I'm creating. And he was just so laser focused on that, and he just kind of lost focus for a minute. And you know, he's 37. He's he doesn't quite have the athletic gifts he used to. And I think a lot of his talent comes from his bat, you know, his basketball IQ, his his ability to know what everyone's doing. And I think he just kind of missed a step this time. And I'm thankful for it because it was a big play. It was, it was, it was, that was a, that was a very intense fourth quarter. My, uh, my gut was clenched for the whole last two minutes. Basically it was, uh, it could have gone either way. So glad the bulls came out with it, man. Uh, it was a great game. Guys, you, if you're out there listening, you are listening to the Sports Ethos Bulls coverage show. And uh, listeners, please take a moment to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. That's at Ethos Fantasy BK, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow it now, guys and girls. It's uh, it's awesome, man. Uh, got a lot of good people on the network, so uh, check it out. Like I said, I appeared on the Birds Rights podcast. He had some pretty interesting trade targets, uh, I thought for us. Um, Trey, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that one yet. We did. We did go over some of the guys that we talked about in our last episode too. Um, but he had some pretty pretty great stuff. He actually had one guy I'd like to run by you uh, that really kind of made me go, hmm, that's interesting. David Nwaba as a backup three four. What do you, how do you feel about that? Too small. Too small? I th- yeah. I think he I think he's he would do as well as Javante Green does in the post. Mm-hmm. Like he he would be great to have, but especially when I just I think he's be too little in terms of what we need from a post defender. I think Caruso, I think Lonzo, I think Javante Green all provide just as much from him. I think we need somebody a little bit taller that can if LeBron's posting them up, they can at least challenge the shot like a Derrick Jones Jr. type. Well, he threw out about 40 names for me in that show. Uh, so if, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Um, there's some really interesting ones out there. I thought there were a few that he had thrown out that I'm, I'm escaping me now. Um, but I thought that they were pretty good. Uh, I do like the name. I, I didn't mean to poo-poo your guy no. that you had special for me. No, no, that's okay. That was just the first one that popped in my mind. I think there was one that I was really excited about. And now I'm like kicking myself because I can't remember it. But it was like somebody that was kind of that level is like backup, you know, backup four, basically three, four, but uh, a better fit than, than Noaba. Noaba can't shoot also. So that's uh, something that goes against him. He can shoot the three every now and then, but he's not a, a consistent three point shooter. Um, but guys, uh, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code Ethos when you sign up to get a 100% bonus deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play pick player props on the biggest names playing every night score points when your props hit and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money and check out our sports ethos dfs team or podcast for advice on winners again that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com i actually had a really fantastic dfs uh lineup the other night uh, and i was trying to steer people towards my guys and uh, i lost in my league by 0.5 points I, I had like 322 points and the first place guy had 322.5 and i was like seriously Really? Come on now. So, uh, so yeah. Anyways, there's some great DFS people on our DFS team, so go check it out, guys, if you have not. 
uh, we do have a DFS pass you can sign up for. Um, but yeah, Trey, uh, any other thoughts, uh, you know, about that game or, or trade targets before we move on here to our, our last topic? No, not offhand. Uh, like you said, we need we need some we need some more size, I think, at that four position. But other than that, other than that, that's about really all I saw. I was really happy with the team play overall. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I did want to talk here in touch base uh, with you, Trey, about um, the MVP discussion. I mean, it's already happening. Uh, I'm looking here at NBA.com's Kia MVP ladder, which just kid got uh, released here a couple days ago on the 17th. Uh, here's the top five guys they've got for you guys. They've got Kevin Durant, obviously from the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they've got Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Chris Paul. Uh, those are the top five guys. Now, now Trey, I'm not going to argue here with Kevin Durant. Uh, it, this guy's just been incredible this season. 29.7 points per game, 7.9 rebounds per game, 5.9 assists per game. Uh Winning, still keeping his team up in the standings with basically a Harden that's not the James Harden we all know and love. Uh, Harden's probably like 80% of that Harden at this point. Uh, he has showings here and there, but uh, he's just not the same player. And no Kyrie, obviously. No Kyrie Irving. So Kevin Durant's really carrying that team. Uh, so I have no qualms there. Steph Curry, same thing. No qualms there either. Um, you know, I think he's incredible. Uh He's having a great season, 26.9 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 6.1 assists per game. But, uh, you know, the things that he does sometimes on the court don't necessarily show up in the back score because he just stretches that defense so much because they have to just key on him all the time. Same thing with Jokic. Uh, I don't think you can really make a, a, a hard case against him being in the top three for MVP voting. What do you think about those three guys? Do you agree with me there? Yeah, those three are the three locks. I th- I mean, I really think it's those three and a, and a tier by themselves in terms of MB- MVP consideration right now. I think Giannis is also the clear four for me. Mm-hmm. And then that fifth spot, I think, is the one that's really wide open. Mm-hmm. And that's where, whenever I brought up DeMar earlier, that's where I think he needs to be uh, in the consideration. I, I agree. I, I, you know, I think um, as far as fourth quarter scores, I, I want to say he's first. He might be second. Um, but he's definitely up Tatum, there in the top five. Go ahead. Tatum Tatum has more total points, but because Demar's missed more games, right, I think yeah. Demar scores more fourth quarter points per game. So per game, he's the leader in the in the NBA in fourth quarter points per game. We're pretty sure about that. So um, and, and you know let, let's take a look at Demar's numbers this season. Uh, he's averaging twenty six point four points, five point three rebounds, four point one assists. On almost 50% shooting, that's what that's what kills me. Almost 50% shooting. He's taking threes now, uh, shooting at almost 89% from the free throw line. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think those numbers, if you put them next to the other guys' numbers, you know, they're they're slightly smaller, slightly less. Uh, but I think those are right in line as far as you know the stats go. And then the next thing you have to go to is basically the eye test, and, and you have to kind of take into consideration you know the situation. And the situation is, Trey, you know, he took a team that had Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic last season that couldn't win games for whatever reason, and now they're suddenly winning games. So, I mean, like you said, this guy deserves to be maybe top five, right? Oh, I agree. I just went to NBA.com. DeMar DeRozan leads the league in fourth quarter scoring at 8.2 points per game. I'm not sure how many points he had tonight in the fourth quarter. But I, I think it was more than it in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So that's only going to be going up. Second is Giannis at 7.3. Mm-hmm. 
So he 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 is pretty high on that list at number one. Even he's been dominant in the fourth quarter, and I think it's very clear that he should be the fifth guy for anyone that's been paying attention. But he he missed the last three games. He hasn't played in 15 days, so you know more than two weeks. And I think he was just an afterthought at the moment. I think you know Chris Paul's been playing great for the Suns, who are you know have looked fantastic while DeMar's been off in COVID protocols. So, you know, it's all about the storylines, but I think when you look at the season totality, it's it's going to be hard to not have DeMar DeRozan right there. At least, and, I, I mean, I might be a biased Bulls fan, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. No, I'm looking at the other guys on this list. I mean, you've got, you know, Donovan Mitchell, the Utah Jazz. I mean, yeah, great. He's you know, having a pretty good season in the Utah Jazz are as well, but uh, I just don't see him dominating games the way I see DeMar DeRozan dominating games uh, right now. Uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, I, I don't even know why he's on this list, honestly. I, I think he's a great player, uh, affects the game in many ways. I, I just don't see him as an MVP guy. Then they've got Zach Levine on there at number eight, which is, that's just insanity to me. If you're going to have Zach Levine on there, why would you not have DeMar DeRozan? And, uh, you know, I love I love Zach Levine. I think, you know, you and I, I think both agree. Uh, this is still Zach Levine's team just based on his age and, and the future he's going to have with, with the organization because he's going to sign that max deal. Uh, and I, I absolutely believe he will. So I think this is still Zach Levine's team, but DeMar DeRozan has been the better player this year. Am I wrong? Not at all. And one, Zach provides better spacing than DeMar. So if Zach was the creator and DeMar was spacing and kind of playing that secondary creator role, it's just not going to, you know, do as well for them. And also, DeMar's a better playmaker than Zach is at this stage in their careers. And I'd love for Zach to be able to, you know, watch and learn from this. But having DeMar, they both have excellent foot- footwork. They can get their shot wherever they want. But when those teams run the hard doubles at them, DeMar is a slightly better playmaker so I think it's just helped the offensive flow a little bit better to have DeMar have the ball in his hands first. And to me, that's that's really the only difference maker in terms of which one should be higher on the MVP list. DeMar's just been able to be the guy who's creating in the fourth quarter. That's why he's leading the league in fourth quarter points. That's why he's such a big factor. And that's why he's been the MVP of the team, even though you're right, it is Zach's team. And like, let's not, you know, we're not talking, even though we're talking about numbers here, these aren't empty numbers. This isn't numbers where it's like DeMar, DeMarcus Cousins, you know, putting up numbers on a, a crappy Kings team. This is a, the Chicago Bulls, second in the East, 18 and 10. They're sitting at They're two games behind the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I can't believe the Cleveland, I'm looking at the, at the Sands right now. Cleveland Cavaliers are just two and a half games behind the Nets. They're having an incredible season, and I really don't want to see them in the playoffs. I know we talked about that before. We match up so horribly with them. I really hope we don't play them. Do you do you share that same? Which uh, which, which team which team did you say? The I'm Cavaliers. Sorry. No, it's okay. The Cavaliers. Oh, the, <laughs> yeah. They're they're going to be the worst matchup for any team. They're my dark horse to be this year's Hawks and to make the conference finals because they're just such a difficult matchup. And I love what Garland can do. Uh, and if he can get hot for you know just a couple games, he can win a game by himself for that team. That's a that's a scary matchup. I, I don't want to see them as a Bulls fan uh, in the playoffs at all. Uh, I think you know we we've played them what once I think so far, and they just 
beat the crap out of us. Um, they're just a really tall team. We don't we don't match up well at all against that. Uh, it's just going to be scary for me. So, but anyways, the Bulls are back to my original point. The Bulls are, are doing well this season, so I think Demar needs some more love. He got those MVP chants tonight, uh, which is really awesome to see. I hope that happens more, especially in the United Center, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this guy, you know, people are sleeping on him still, even though. Um, he's just come out and had a, a career year. I mean, this is, I'm pretty sure, the highest marks he's had in scoring uh, of his career, right? Um, let me check that real quick. Uh, no, he did score more. He scored 27.3 points per game in 2016-17 in Toronto. So this is the second highest uh, per game scoring of his career, at least. Uh, but still, just uh, just doing it on 49.8% shooting, which that's got to be his highest. Nope, it's not. <laughs> he's, he's, he shot at 53.1% uh, 2019-20 in San Antonio. So maybe he's even got room to grow, Trey. <laughs> maybe. That yeah, would be nice. I was trying to look up the uh, the point totals for clutch stats and go per 36. I could only find the per game. But both Zach and DeMar are in the top 20 in, in clutch scoring. So they're definitely not empty calorie points whatsoever. Those guys are coming through in the clutch time after time. So let's look ahead here um, to our schedule, if I can get to that right screen. Actually, you know what, Trey, do you have any uh, plans for the holidays here? You traveling? I actually just got back today. I went and dropped my daughter off in Illinois, and we we made it back just in time for me to take about a two-hour power nap to wake up and then watch two episodes of The Witcher before the Bulls game came on. So I'm going to enjoy uh, uh, seven days of kid-free time and just gorge on some NBA basketball. The holidays are a fantastic time. And, guys, happy holidays, everyone. Tis the season of giving, but stop giving your personal information to your ISP on top of overcharging. Your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, for Sports Ethos, used to be hoopball, so we still have that link. To get a three-bonus month to get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy. Turning it on just takes one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. Uh, yeah, I'm going to Virginia here uh, on, on uh, Wednesday. Well, actually, I'm going to Kansas City and then flying to Virginia. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited, man. I don't believe the Bulls uh, don't have a Christmas game this year, though. Nope, they do not. Uh, which is going to be sad. It's going to make me a sad panda. I will still watch the games on Christmas, but uh, man, I love like I remember Derrick Rose hitting a game winner against the Lakers on Christmas. Did you do you remember that game? I, I do. It's I was surprised the Bulls didn't have a Christmas game this year. I bet they have one next year, though. Yeah. So the guy left get left out of the rotation this year. That's OK. Um, they do have one a game on Monday against the Rockets. Uh, that's the 20th. The, the surging Rockets. The surging, right? Yeah. They, they've, they've nine nine and well. four in their last 13. Yeah, they've played pretty well. Uh, and they uh, obviously they kicked off their winning streak last time with uh, beating the crap out of us. So it uh, should be some bad blood there. It should be a good one. And then we've got the Toronto Raptors on Wednesday. That's December 22nd before the holidays happen. So uh, a couple of, uh, you know, Tougher games, maybe, uh, if the Rockets come out and uh, play the way they played in that first game. What do you think? Uh, think we're going to take it to them this time around? Yeah, I think that the Bulls are going to be bitter that they lost that game. I think that uh, 
did, the, did Houston play tonight? I don't believe so. No. No. So that that would be you know the only thing they're they'll they're fresh whereas the Bulls had to play tonight against the Lakers. And maybe moving that game back hurt us a little bit because instead of getting done earlier, they just now got done and had to had to have was it uh at least they got to stay at home. But you know, yeah. still playing late, not as not as optimal. But I like their chances. I think DeMar's going to dominate against this team. They don't they don't have the size that the Lakers have mm. in terms of, you know, just a punishing big they have Christian Wood. But Vucevic, I think, can handle him. He's Woods, not quite as uh, as quick as LeBron in yeah. terms of the face-up game. So, what do you think about Houston? Um, no, I think yeah, I, I do think that we're going to take it to him. I don't think we had Caruso in that game, um, which was a huge loss. Obviously, I'm trying to pull up the back score from it just to to verify. Um, let me see who did not play in that game. We did not have. Um, we didn't have Patrick Williams or Marco Simonovic, so I guess Caruso did play in that game. Hmm. Yeah, he played 32 minutes and 49 seconds. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, but even so, I think that we are going to come out and, and just give it to them. You know, we had all of our guys, and they still uh, beat the crap out of us. We shot uh, not super well from the field, so um, 45.8%, uh, 42.9 from three, actually. So effective field goal percentage is probably pretty good, honestly, but... Um, they shot extremely well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 50% from the field. I just don't see that happening again. Uh, Jalen Green. 47% was, from three. Yeah, Jalen Green went out in that game. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Daniel, Daniel House had a huge game. He went uh, six for seven and four for four from threes. He had 18 points in just 16, uh, almost 17 minutes there. So I just don't I, think that's I, going to I played 17 minutes and was a minus 12. Was that kind of his first NFL? His first NFL was that his <laughs> first uh, NBA, like real live NBA action? I don't, I don't remember. Uh, but that, that just that kind of stuck out to me in a game that the Bulls lost by five. Yeah. Where he was able to shoot three of four, but was still a minus 12. That that's kind of a rough look. I wonder what happened. Uh, we'd have to go back and watch. Yeah, their effective field goal percentage, uh, the, the Rockets, was 60% in that game. I just uh, There's no way that they're going to do that again. They just had an extremely great game. Uh, and then I think they had some confidence from that that carried over. And they had, like, what, a, a six, seven, eight-game winning streak, something like that. It was, like, a bunch of games they seven. strung in a row. Seven games, yeah. Um, they strung all those games in a row and, and beat some teams. So, uh, you know, they're a little scary. The reason I think the reason that they're – they were playing better was because Jalen Green did get hurt in that game uh, against the Bulls, and they had to, you know, forced to play uh, Eric Gordon 31, 32 minutes almost. They were forced to play Garrison Matthews, who, you know, ended up having a really hot shooting streak for that seven-game win streak for them. Uh, Daniel House, you know, wasn't really even in the rotation, then he gets in the rotation suddenly. So I think, you know, having some of those veterans uh, get some minutes, some guys that have been around the league a little bit, it helps them a lot, and the Bulls, I guess, just weren't ready for it. They just kind of got punched in the mouth, but when, it's, when a team's making shots, I mean, what else are you going to do, right? <laughs> so yeah, when you when you shoot almost fifty percent from three and you shoot as many threes as the Rockets like to do, it, it's it's a hard hill to climb. Yeah, so um, so I like the Bulls' chances there. The Raptors, though, um, give me a little bit. Yeah, they scare me a little bit. Just their length and their defensive pressure. Uh, but I don't think it'll be a problem. I think the Bulls are, have a really good chance of winning both of these next two games, uh, which are both at home also. The Bulls have a 9-4 and four record at home so far, so uh, I'm, I'm guessing I want two, to see. Two, no. I want to see Vucevic 
really come out and be assertive these next two games. Both of these teams, they don't play bigs mm. that are, are the, nearly the size of Vucevic. He should be able to get, you know, to have his way in the post, regardless of who's guarding him for the most part against either one of these teams. And after he had such a good game tonight, I would – I think it would be a really good sign for this team and for him to come out, be assertive, and to string together a couple good games before the before they have that off time for the holiday. Yeah, I mean, what we got what we got from Vooch tonight against the Lakers is what we're expecting, kind of on average, you know, every game. I mean, he shot, you know, 47-ish percent, um, shot from everywhere, uh, hit some threes. Um, got some, you know, I think he blocked a few shots if I'm recalling correctly. I don't have the box up anymore, but, um, you know, and then, and then just being active on the boards, he grabbed 13 boards. So, um, you know, he, that, that's what we need from him every single game. So if he can do something similar to that over these next two games, I'm not even expecting, you know, a 30 point explosion. I'm not expecting anything like that. You know, if he can score 15, 16, uh, with Zach out, hopefully closer to 20 points per game, uh, over these next two, and then also, uh, grab, you know, 12, 13, 14 boards. That's it, man. And, and, and not shoot terribly. Uh, you know, that, that's what we're looking for from him, I think. And, um, yeah, so I think that's a big thing that we'll be looking for here. Uh, I'm also going to be looking, you know, just to see if DeMar can just continue to build off of this nearly 40 point game, uh, against, you know, a, a Houston Rockets team that gives up a lot of points. They just have a lot of fast pace. Uh, that they play with. So uh, I'll be curious to see if he scores, you know, 35 to 40 again next game. What do you think over? I'll say over under 33 points. What do you, what are you going with there? Over. Over. I like it. Over. I like it. Uh, what did he do in the first game? I, I got to look down. Yeah. Uh, what did he have? He had, well, he only had 17 points. Yeah. He did not shoot well. He shot six for 19, 31, 32%. Zach, Zach also played. He won't be playing. I don't believe yeah. tomorrow. No. So he'll be getting more shots up. And I think DeMar's found a much better rhythm. He's in a groove, and I think he's going to show that groove off. Yeah, the reason I, I uh, took us through Christmas is because uh, that's when all of these guys are out. Alizé Johnson, uh, Zach Levine, Ayadisumu are all out through Christmas, confirmed so far. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. is day-to-day. He's in the health and safety protocol, so it looks like he may be able to return here. Uh, for the next, uh, maybe the game in Houston or the game in, in Toronto, or um, sorry, the game against Toronto. Uh, they're both in Chicago. Uh, Matt Thompson, it's just Thompson. Tom, Matt Thomas says it's just out indefinitely, so I don't know exactly when he'll be back. No no update there. Uh, and, of course, Patrick Williams is out. But it's good to get, have these guys back. I mean, I was looking at this page not even you know four or five days ago, and it was just like an entire block of names, and it was just so depressing. So it's good to only have let's see, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six guys on our on our little team injury report here, which is a whole heck of a lot better. Uh, and I hope we're on the other side of this thing. We don't have another like outbreak, but uh, who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, I know we we were kind of critical that they waited so long to give the Bulls a break, but when they finally did, it it, it seems to have been super effective. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, I think we have a good chance to win those next two, and then hopefully we'll get the rest of our guys back and have a full and awesome lineup like we usually do. But uh, that's it, guys. Great win tonight in L. Or no, sorry, we weren't in L.A. Were we? No, we weren't. <laughs> great, great win tonight against the Lakers. Uh, I was excited, man. It was a fantastic uh, game. I'm glad we got to recap it. Uh, but hey, but quickly before we sign off, we want to also remind you guys to all. Use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 
at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use promo code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. So mybookie, Manscaped, get on it, guys. But that's it. Uh, we'll be back with you after the next game to recap it. My name is Keith Cork, and you can find me on Twitter at, at BSBPKeith. And Trey, where can the people find you? On Twitter at Final Finally. And you, you can follow the show's Twitter at, at EthosBulls. Go follow it, guys, and let's go. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.